danger is stealing in as relapse sums above the den. It's hard to know if this will Hello and welcome to episode 366 of the Thinking Poker Podcast from Owings Mills, Maryland. I'm Andrew Brokus. From Las Vegas, Nevada, this is Carlos Welch. And from Winchester, Massachusetts, this is Nate Mavis. Carlos, you're supposed to go first. Hosts go first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is new for me. Yeah, this is our first, I mean, people may have, uh, have guessed this since we already put out an interview that uh, Carlos and I conducted, but I mean, I think this is the, the first official announcement that uh, Carlos is, is in and Nate is uh, sidelined anyway as uh, host of the, the Thinking Poker podcast. Um, yeah. When we started the show, uh, some people might know this or I mean, we talked about this before you know, initially this was like something that i was going to do solo i i believe it nate's suggestion if i'm remembering that correctly mm-hmm. uh, nate had suggested that i should start a podcast and i recorded two episodes and they were both pretty boring and then uh, uh nate offered to do the podcast with me and uh i for the most part wasn't interested in doing a podcast with someone else but i was like well i think there's exactly one person in the world i would do this with and, and it was nate mavis um, and that was before I had met Carlos Welch, who is exactly the other person in the world. <laughs> that I would do uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, the only world in which this keeps going uh, without Nate is is with Carlos stepping in. So uh, we're all very grateful to Carlos for doing that. Absolutely. Can, can I can I say two things? Is that like first you started the podcast on your own, I think. I think I had not suggested that you started a podcast, unless there was something I don't remember. Like, maybe we were talking about it on a dinner break and eating Indian food, and you said, like, oh, I might start a podcast. And if you had done that, I certainly would have been encouraging. But I certainly don't remember it. You, you at least second. agreed to be my first guest. So that helped. I did. Well, that was the second thing I was going to say. It's like a pretty savage roast. It's like, oh, my God, these episodes were so boring. <laughs> <laughs> Like one of those episodes was pretty much just me talking. <laughs> you can always blame the interviewer in those cases. <laughs> I I could. <laughs> uh, yeah, and eight years later, um, you know, COVID happily did not kill me. At least it hasn't yet. I hope it will not. Uh, life is going well. You know, the one big thing for me that COVID killed was my poker career. I have not played a hand of poker in a year and a half for money. Uh, the, my, my, my home casino shut down. My life changed downstream in a bunch of ways that makes it basically impossible for me to play poker. Uh, and correspondingly COVID made it, you know, made all these sort of downstream changes to my professional life. And I am now completely obsessed with software engineering in a way that I used to be obsessed with poker. So COVID just took everything about poker and just ripped it out of my life and replaced it with uh, family and or software. And that's that. And um, this has been an absolutely awesome part of my life. I, I will never be able to thank Andrew enough and our guests, but mostly Andrew 
And um, it's sad that like my life is just not something that this podcast fits into anymore. And I'm not good for the podcast anymore. Um, that said, like, you know, Andrew's amazing to work with. The podcast has been great. Um, at least great for me, hopefully great for other people too, or at least slightly positive. A, a um, lot of people have listened to the show over the years. And I, I think yeah. you had something to do with that. Yeah, I hope so. You know, it's, it's interesting, right? Like, uh, where to start? They say there are like three truly American things, jazz, baseball, and poker. When I think back to a year of my adult baseball fan life, 2011, um, I get nostalgic in a way that I almost get nostalgic about my childhood baseball fandom. Like it was a very different world, right? Um, if you're into baseball, baseball in 2011 was just completely different, whether it's like shifts or openers or the economics of it, um, the tactics of it, tanking, just the whole culture of baseball. And, and to me, what it felt like to be a baseball fan, completely different. And that's why it's sort of when I think back to what a big fan I was then, it feels like thinking about sort of watching games when I was eight years old. Okay. Now, fast forward to, uh, what, late 2012, when I said, like, hey, Andrew, your podcast isn't quite working solo, but let's do one together. A, a, a big part of what I wanted to do, or why I thought this would be good, I mean, I thought it would be good for me, because Andrew was awesome, and, like, you know, I thought it was worth a shot that, that he might be willing to do it with me, um, but I also thought that, like, poker was much more interesting than poker media was reflecting and there was this amazing story of this huge american and now worldwide institution that was just not being told like all the media was stuff like who won the latest tournament and like do you think this person who plays poker is good looking and like it was just <laughs> not like and like there was this incredible rich tapestry of cultures and subcultures. I mean, it, it was almost hard to find coverage of cash games other than on NVG on two plus two. And I thought we could do something small to, to remedy that. Um, happily. Now I think it's a whole different poker world and it's like different in a few ways. One is I think there's a little more, um, coverage of some of the interesting parts of poker but more importantly the interesting parts of poker are are things that are like foreign to me i have no i have no sense of it i i literally didn't know the main event was happening until jason strasser tweeted something about it um and like if somebody i was friendly with at my home casino had been a main event final tableist uh table uh you know before um i certainly would have known about it and now it's like oh wait you know chase is at the final table you know cool um how do you do, by the way? He finished ninth for, oh. I believe, exactly $1 million. So let's not feel so sorry. sorry for him. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, Chase. Yeah. Um, the, good news is he, the good news is he came in short, so he kind of uh, uh, was towards his expectation, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, Chase but also now, a guest on episode 198 of the Thinking Poker podcast, if folks are interested in uh, hearing that interview. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one's, like, important to me. Um, I think, like, sort of religiosity in poker and, yeah, 
it's I, I, I really like that. I thought it was a really useful um, bit of a uh, uh, discussion slash testimony from from Chase there. I thought I thought that was a good. A good yeah, I, I think there are a lot of misunderstandings on both sides of that uh, equation. Yeah. Um, and like this gets back to starting the show, like it, it, it's something that one might not have seen in other poker media outlets. Um, hopefully, I mean, I think poker has changed. I think poker media has changed, or at least the vast appetite for sort of poker media of the sort that was mass produced 10 years ago, I think is, is no longer there. Um, but most importantly, to the extent that there's something important about poker to say, about like sort of why poker is significant, why one might choose to spend a big part of one's life thinking about poker, what the poker world is really like and what it signifies and what it says about sort of human psychology, the state of America, the state of the world, et cetera. Um, I'm completely and totally unqualified to say anything about that now, and I have no time in which to do it. Um, I'm really excited about software, though. <laughs> so that's that. And, you know, I mean, in some sense, I'm now an example of, of something that's very common in poker, which is like, it's kind of always there and people drift in and drift out. And, you know, it sort of slurps people up and then it sort of spits people out and people it, it, it's it's how it is you know it's not like a university where um entering and dropping out can be like pretty tough it's just this part of the world and um you know i feel very sad that this happened and i also feel like regretful that um this change in my life you know had effects on like you guys who are awesome and who are like amazing colleagues and who have been really good. Uh, but that's that. Anyway, that's more than enough. I mean, one, one immutable law of the podcast is that me talking too much in a row <laughs> is, is not good. And another one is that like Carlos talking is better than me talking. So like, <laughs> Uh, globally, this is like a, a very good change for the show. There's a lot more problems, a lot less for me. But locally, I'm completely failing. So I'll shut up now. I was just thinking when you say uh, that's more than enough and then start a sentence with one immutable law. You're like, well, this isn't going to be a short sentence. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I, I, I miss hearing Nate's voice. So uh, uh, I don't think there's a... Uh, I don't think you're going too long. Mm -hmm. I mean, here's how much poker has changed. I met you, and I remember like calling home and saying, "Like, oh, there's this guy Carlos." I've said this on the show before, and he's this like big ball of sunshine. You know, um, he's doing poker the right way. He's learning it the right way. He's working the right way, and he's just so happy to be here. Um, and this was at the World Series of Poker, and you were grinding sit-and-go satellites, um, then selling the Lammers. And now you're a vastly better poker player than I am. You're vastly more accomplished in poker than I am. And it's like that whole thing where you get Lammers and sell them. I guess that's not a thing at the World Series anymore. Uh, you wouldn't. <laughs> I'm laughing because you don't know this. Uh I'm still selling lammers, and I may have caused a controversy this year from selling too many lammers. <laughs> That's I had, amazing. I had about, I have 40 lammers to sell this year. Fantastic. Um, I won four seats to the main, and 
I was selling so many that there's some small chance that I caused the WSOP to stop taking lemmers. That's so good. That, that's yeah. amazing in so many ways. It reminds me of like a very old boom era story. I have no idea whether it's true. It is said that Thunder Keller, there's a guy named Thunder Keller, right? He was crushing the sort of like second tier market black chip limit hold'em game so hard that at one point he had like all the casinos black chips or, or so many of them that they had to like go get them back from him. Like he just <laughs> like, I don't know why he didn't cash them in or something, but I, so the story goes, he just like won all the black chips at the card room in limit hold'em. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was sort of like that. It was actually eighty lemmers. It was for, it was forty thousand. Um, so four that, seats. I, was, to the I thought they were five hundred dollars each. Yeah, yeah, I did the math wrong on that. But uh, yeah, there was um, they they made a ruling where they said that hey, we're not gonna take lemmers unless you can prove you're the person that won them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was I don't think that was actually a real thing. I think it was kind of like a vague threat. Um, or something that only happened to um, our friend um, um, Shaniac because <laughs> uh, he reported it and nobody else kind of had trouble with it. But it's so funny to hear you remember meeting me as the guy that was selling Lammers all those years ago. And I'm like, yep, still doing it. Yeah. Although you also yeah. have a WSFU bracelet now. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and also, like, the IRS really doesn't like it when. <laughs> five-figure transactions are just sort of happening and and the institution you know under whose roof uh they're happening is saying like no 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 just do it don't document anything it's fine like i I, i'm pretty sure they have to at least say that you can't do that right right Uh, speaking only for myself of course I, I googled uh, Thunder Keller. Uh, Thomas is his, his actual first name, and he has a brother named Sean Lightning Keller. Mm. <laughs> yeah, these are all like I don't know. It's a bit like um, oh Chris, who is the Armenian Express? Armenian Express. Um, I don't know. He was a name that like if you were really into poker in two thousand seven or two thousand four or whatever, like you know the Kellers, they're up there. Like 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 Harry Dimitriou and. Uh, Chris Gregorich and uh, you know people like that. Uh, Chris Gregorian is the Armenian Express. There we go, Gregorian. Mark Gregorich was yes. the guy who was really good at limit hold'em in in limit oh eight. Yeah. Um, so there's another change uh, at the WSOP that you may not have heard of, Nate. Um, I just found out about this yesterday. Uh, after and so when it was first, one of my students asked me about this, and I was like, "Oh, these rumors of the WSOP not being at the Rio anymore have been happening every year for as long as I've been doing this." Yep. Like, uh, yep. so there was actually a, a, a fairly official announcement. Um, or the Caesars uh, said anyway that uh, they are going to be relocating to. Um, Paris Ballys, uh on, on the strip wow. for next year. Wow, how do you feel about that? Um, I think I'm pro. I, I like the idea of, uh, I mean, the, the it always seems stupid to me how many people were like commuting to the Rio. I mean, not that there won't still be people driving from the other places to get to the strip, but I think having it a lot more accessible for people to like stay on the strip and just go there rather than so many people needed to drive to the Rio. And then, you know, there's uh, you know, the, the parking is such a situation. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I have no idea what the venue is going to be like there, but I think logistically it's, it's bad. I mean, some people are worried about parking, but I feel like way fewer people are going to need to park. 
Yeah, that's right. And like the whole like dinner break starting yeah. with a traffic jam and ending with a traffic jam. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, you know, like when those tournaments let out, uh, I mean, if, if you're like, I mean, you sort of learned this over time of like race to your car at the end, like, you know, 2000 people at the end of day one of the main event, all getting out at the same time, uh, you know, you have to be back the next day, right? Like you sort of every hour of sleep or whatever that you can get is pretty valuable at that point. So totally. you're spending an hour trying to get, and it really can take that long if, if you are late getting to your car. That's how I once wound up sharing a cab with Vince Van Patten. Like I was just sort of in the back seat and he looked familiar to me, <laughs> and then I, but I was just like tired or whatever and not really talking. And he said, and that, but like he had wanted to share a cab so that he could like get in the cab. And then like 30 seconds into the ride, said, hi, what's your name? And said, I'm Vince. <laughs> Vince Van Pat. <laughs> he looks like a TV star, you know? Excellent hair at the end of that whole day, you know? Excellent hair, very handsome, very impressed. <laughs> uh, that, that sound you hear is my daughter squawking. I need to attend to her for about 60 seconds. Okay. So you, you guys say something more interesting. I'll be right back. Yeah, I was just gonna. I, I was gonna say the. Uh, I mean, if if you have Van in your name, you kind of have to say it that way. <laughs> you gotta break it up, Vince. Vince Van Patten. Um, so, Carlos, any uh, thoughts on? Well, I mean, first, thank you for uh, for for taking on this role. The, the show certainly needs the the burst of energy. I've been a little uh, neglectful in in keeping it going solo so i'm, I'm uh, very excited to have you on board for this and i feel like the first interview we did together went went well yes yes so um thoughts on like direction of the show going forward yeah uh, i would just um kind of piggyback on what nate said earlier about exploring the under reported areas of the poker world like there's so many that i've kind of come across across the over the years that i was shocked that there's these whole other uh like sub genres for lack of a better term like like did you guys know um that there was a thing called um i'm gonna get the name wrong but like the world series of college poker yes no yeah, so I think it will be uh, kind of cool to maybe like talk to some people involved with that. Um, something that kind of blew me away one day was I was streaming on Twitch, and um, I was um, doing some business with um, ACR at the time, where they were um, um, giving me um, buy-ins to like stream certain tournaments and like you know like hosting free rolls like oh the carlos welch free roll and they would give me the password and like there would be like tons of people in the chat just like every day just like what's the password what's the password and i discovered there's like a whole nother like poker community of people who only play free rolls mm, and there's like idea. Yeah, That's there's like a thousand runners. Yeah, a thousand runners, and like they're all just vying for like a three dollar first place prize. And I was like, wow, I did not, re I did not realize there was still that many people doing that. But you were aware of this, mate. I mean, I wouldn't say I was aware it was still a thing, but that was a huge thing in 2005 or like earlier, like when I was in college. That, like that was me in 2004. <laughs> yeah. 
I would, so. I would set an alarm. I, I woke up early to to play a free roll because you, they, it was like a thousand people got in. So like the moment that they opened registration, you had to be sitting there like banging on the register, but you're just like trying to <laughs> yeah. like not click it. But even if you missed it, like people went on, on register and stuff. So like, even if it filled up, if you still sit there like mashing on it, you had a decent chance of getting it. I, I, I did that too. I did that too. That was an early bankroll builder for me. For me, yeah, it was like so, I would I would get like five dollars in one of those in the morning. Like so there there were two a day that I that I played pretty regularly. I would win five dollars in the morning one, and then like you know sit down at a twenty five fifty cent limit table and have lost it by the time the afternoon one, <laughs> which is how I just got it. So it's like oh here's the way to sort of um, you know it's like it's fairly easy to win at these uh, or like to at least like win something. You just have to outlast like a couple of knuckleheads and you at least get your money back like that. That felt to me like maybe it actually was a like pretty low variance way of um, of, of holding on to that money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so you got you got those guys that are still around, maybe even thriving. Like like maybe that community is even bigger than it's ever been. Um, you got the people who grind play money and they like sell the play money chips for real money. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> Uh, so th- there's so many areas like this, and and I think back to some of the best episodes that the shows had, and they often, you know, kind of like shining some light on people from these areas, like the one with Jamal with the the prison poker. Like that was like an amazing episode for me to hear about something that I had no idea was even happening, and just like the logistics around it was fascinating. Yeah. So. Yeah, more more episodes like that, I think, um, would be interesting. Yeah, and so I'll put this call out to, to um, listeners as well. I mean, you're always welcome, or we encourage you to uh, to recommend guests. But I think in particular, if you have, if, if that sparked something for you hearing Carlos say that, of like, oh, I know about this, like, niche sub-community of uh, poker, you know, a, a whole other, I mean, like, bar leagues. I know that's like, kind of a big thing. Yeah, uh, that's another one. Yeah, so you know, if, if you uh, have any any suggestions there, any thoughts, uh, we would certainly you know, we would extra appreciate hearing about uh, about those. And I think you know, part of it is like certainly I, I, I want you, Carlos, to have uh, an input on like the, the signature of the show or whatever. But I feel like you've already been such a big part of the show that like <laughs> it already it does already kind of reflect a lot. Of, like your personality, I think, is already pretty pretty well in the DNA of, of the show. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if there was ever, if there would have been a battle rapper on the show, uh, <laughs> if not for my suggestion. So, like, yeah, actually, you know what? I haven't really uh, ventured too far into it, but maybe that's another um, culture of um, poker that doesn't get explored enough. Uh, explored enough. Um, there's like a lot of rappers that are into poker, more than I knew. Um, I mean, some of these guys are big names, so it would be a tough call to get them as guests. But yeah, um, we'll, we'll get Jay Z every... on the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was thinking Nelly. Jay Z was all just like absolutely impossible, obviously. <laughs> but, like, it, like, but Nelly even... might do it. <laughs> Jay Z is reaching too high, but Nelly might do it. I mean, comparatively, yes. <laughs> uh, but every day I hear about a a new. A uh, rapper who's into poker that I did not know about before. So yeah, um, I definitely think that part of my life merging with the podcast um, uh, has been like uh, interesting. Um, 
I don't know. Nate, are you up for uh, any kind of strategy discussion? Sure. Is it okay if I suck? <laughs> <laughs> It'll be relatable. <laughs> yeah, good. Um, so I think we could, I, I, I kind of looked through the stuff we have submitted to the show. I, I think not too many people are submitting hands to the show anymore. Um, I think they're mostly doing them on, um, on Thinking Poker Daily now. So I'm kind of tempted to just grab a hand. While you're doing that, I'll jump in and, and, and um, say that I'm, I'm actually, uh, I didn't know that, you know, most of the hands submitted to the show were going through Thinking Poker Daily now. So that's pretty cool to hear. And also, I want to, like, take us back a couple of, I was going to say a couple of months, but uh, a year ago, almost to the day, um, actually, no, uh, more than a year ago, uh, we did the episode where... Um, uh, what happened during the episode? Uh, I want to say it was the one where we had the um, exploiting small stakes, uh, whatever the hell we called it. <laughs> <laughs> the video tournament. that exploiting small stakes tournament. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we did an episode based on that product, and one of the things that I was really happy about during that was building something in poker. Um, a, a product where I would have some equity and ownership in, and and that conversation kind of um, sparked um, Nate to suggest that we do think in poker daily because that's another um, product that we could build that I would have equity in, and um, uh, so I definitely want to thank Nate for that. That so with the idea happened before. Um, a year ago, but the show actually started almost a year ago to the day. Um, Thinking Poker Daily uh, was uh, just after Thanksgiving, um, 11-27 last year. And so we're recording this on 11-19, but by the time they hear it, it would be like pretty much the anniversary. So it's kind of... In hindsight, that was just tremendously irresponsible of me. Like at that point, I still wanted to be in poker. Like poker had some real estate in my brain still at that point. Um, had I been more reflective, I would not have started another poker-related podcast. I'm really happy it turned out well for you. Um, and that's, like, really good. Uh, and that's much more important. But, like, I, I live a charmed life where I can do something, like, so freaking irresponsible and it has something good, uh, some good result. I mean, boy, I'm just the luckiest person. <laughs> yeah, there's so many butterfly <laughs> effects moments in in poker like i think about this often like i've been uh reviewing my bracelet win multiple times mm -hmm. and there's like so many hands that where i should have busted before i even you know got deep in the thing and uh it kind of applies to a, a situation like this also where in your mind you made a mistake by kind of like starting an endeavor that you wouldn't have time to um bill uh but that mistake has been a big blessing for me. So uh, your the butterfly effect, you know, your mistake becomes a benefit for me. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm really glad. It's that's um, no, good, and it's great that you have equity in something, and um, it's great that people listen to you talking about poker. It's a good thing. You talking about poker is good. So I I found I, I think this will be a very Nate appropriate hand and um just hearing the game description will make carlos's head explode <laughs> okay here this we is go. uh 
No Limit Omaha, a five-card No Limit Omaha eight or better. Hold on, say that again. <laughs> say, hold on, say, say it slowly. Uh, like when I'm talking to people in Spanish, I need to say it slowly. So five cards. Cinco cartas. <laughs> I have five card, no limit, Omaha, eight or better. Okay, so it's the split. Okay, okay, yeah. I got it now. So you, can, you can tell five cards. Uh, it's going to be a split pot game between high and low. Typical Omaha rules where you have to play two cards from your hand for your high and your low. And uh, the low has to be hit or better. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> My advice is probably going to be that you shouldn't have played the hand out of position or something. But okay. there, that, that is actually one of the more... I mean, I, I think it's probably uncontroversial to play the hand out of position, but that is one of the, the main decision points, I think. Um, so this is a four-handed game. Um, I'm guessing it was on an app. Uh, one three and effective stacks are around a thousand dollars. So quite quite deep, three hundred plus big blinds deep. Uh, our hero has ace ace jack ten eight, and uh, both of the aces are suited. Yeah, it's pretty marginal. <laughs> pretty marginal. It's. It's a bad low hand, and I mean, I mean, it's a premium high hand. It's good. I mean, it's yeah, it's very playable. It's very playable, but out of position, three hundred big blinds deep. Uh, you know, doesn't make the nuts a lot. I mean, enough, enough. But who oh boy? Yeah, my um, my typical approach to these hands. I don't have nearly as much five card experience, but like in four card PLO eight, my typical approach to these hands is like fairly passive with them pre-flop because they are, you know, like it's a certain flop. Like if you get the all high card flop where there's not going to be a low, then you do like, there's a lot of ways, you know, that with this hand is making the nuts on, on a number of different high card flops. Um, but once there's a low possible, even if you do, like, even if you make a stat, uh, your hand is still pretty, pretty marginal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it matters a lot how well your opponents play because there are things that are correct in theory that you don't need to do in practice. Like, you know, if, if I mean, what, 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 let's, let's start talking about the hand. I don't know what happens yet. <laughs> okay. Uh, so under the gun player, this forehanded under the gun player raises to nine. Our hero is in the small blind with, uh, ace, ace, jack, 10, eight, double suited with both aces. Um, do we agree? This is a, this is a call. Uh, might be a jam. I don't know what the I don't know what the hot and cold equities of this are like um, against a really good player. I could see this being either a fold or a jam. I mean, jam with jam and being better than folding. Like playing five card out of position, three hundred blinds deep, no limit, not pot limit, but no limit. In pot limit, I think it's a pretty easy call. Um, in in no limit, I think in practice, it's probably a call. I would not be surprised if, in theory, the right answer is either folding or jamming. So you made a fascinating contribution already. Um, I think there's a, there's a fairly compelling case for that. It had not occurred to me at all to do that. Yeah. Um, I mean, okay, wait, let, me, let me jump in and ask a rookie question really quick. Um, what's the open size? Uh, Three big ones. Yeah. And we just jam 300? 330. Yeah, because... Being out of position, like, so five-card Omaha, the nuts are out there a lot. Um, this hand makes the nuts a little bit less likely than you might think it does. And, like, if it's hot and cold good enough to jam, then it's, like, 
So, I mean, like playing out of position, 300 big blinds deep in no limit five card, it, it's almost always better just to, it, it's like one of those spots where you can just fold dark a lot of the time. It, this is it's like another way to say it. Like if you're just away from the table, if you just post your small blind and then fold, um, you're not making a big mistake. I mean, this is like an extremely positional game. Um, and in theory, playing anything out of position is like extremely terrible. So now the question is like, should we just open fold this hand? It's like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe jamming's a little bit better <laughs> just because like hot and cold. It's it's hard to think of a, a hand that's too much better than ace, ace, jack, 10, eight, double suited with the aces. Like that, that's a good hand for high, right? And it has a little bit of low potential. And um, I haven't played poker in a year and a half for any money. And I haven't played five card no limit Omaha eight, possibly ever, at least for years. So I, I can't say I know a lot about what the hot and cold equities are like. I played a bunch of big O once upon a time, but that's a different story, um, which is the same thing except pot limit. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's a bit like some of the, that's like stud high, low with no qualifier, um, where high hands are just bad. It's, it's like, that's not the quite the right analogy. Um, but there are just some situations, there are some games that just favor the positional, the in-position player so much that you just don't want to be out of position and five card, no limit, 08 with uh uh with 300 big blinds deep where like you can get sort of i think what chen and enkeman called demi bluffed where (laughs) somebody's like almost certainly got half the pot and they can just turn the screws to you um like what do you do if you have the second nut high and an ace eight low and then somebody jams two and a half times the pot on the river what are you going to do there huh huh Huh? yeah just (laughs) hold your clock unless you can jam I'm not sure that's right, but it's less crazy than you might think. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I think that the no limit hold'em analogy would be a little like, you know, like uh, ace king offsuit, which also can make some like. I mean, I don't think you'd see that hand jamming 300 big blinds of equilibrium, but like solvers, there are actually some situations where solvers are just jamming like 40 big blinds over a two big blind open with with ace king offsuit or something. You know, like it is. Yeah. It's just one of those. It's it's fairly difficult to play after the flop. Where you know, like there's a lot of boards where it has a lot of equity, but that equity is hard to realize, and it has very good blocker uh, value. This is like, you know, what what happens when you shove is just that you win twelve dollars a lot, um, and I mean, you almost never get called right when you're jamming this much. It's kind of hard to think of like what a calling range would would even look like. Um, it would kind of have to be ace deuce, I imagine. Um, I can't think of too much else that would be like maybe like ace king deuce three four or something. It would have to be something like really premium, and you are having like a very large blocking effect on those really premium hands. And uh, I, I like Nate. I don't have a real strong sense of, of what your uh, hot and cold equity would be, but I feel like it probably wouldn't be worse than like thirty percent. Oh, it makes it, sense. It, it wouldn't be worse than like forty four percent, but like when you <laughs> when you jam this much. Uh, you have to care about that. <laughs> like the hands, the hands that crush you, like, so the low comes in like half the time. Right. And the hands that are crushing you on the low side are on like, you're crushing them on the high side. So like, it, it's a good hand. It's a, it's a good hot and cold hand. There's no way. I, I mean, I, again, I haven't thought about poker at all in years. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll bet you a dollar. There's no hand that's better than 
you know, maybe you said 30%, like there's no hand that's 70% against this hand. There's probably no hand that's better than 57% against this hand. I think I'll be shocked if there is. I, will say, I, I almost said 40% and I was like, well, I might as well hedge it. And you know, like, I'm, I'm very confident in the 30% <laughs> claim. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I very nearly said a much larger number, which I, I yeah, suppose still I'll, would have been too small. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy you a meal if anything's even 60%, but I mean, I'll also buy you a meal if not, so whatever. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> um, so our hero calls from the small blind. Uh, we had an under-the-gun raise to $9. Hero calls with ace-ace, jack-10-8, double-suited. And uh, now the big blind re-raises to $36. The original raiser calls. And <laughs> yeah, I think Jam now is starting to look a lot more. Um, you know, so now there's like a hundred dollars in the pot after you yeah. after you call, or more than hundred. And that's why being nutty helps. Like one problem is that like these hands that are fine heads up can be like mega boned in a three way pot. But this hand, I think, again, I'm just making this up because I don't know anything about poker, uh, is going to be fine even in a three way pot because it makes the nuts enough on the high and then all of a sudden like it's nuttiness on the high side is is fine and you get you get half or all of of the pot enough to justify the times when like you know your your opponents cover so many different other boards that that you have a hard time with this hand so i think you're fine i, I would jam and also like what are you going to do play this out of position no <laughs> uh hero calls yeah. <laughs> and uh, with $108 in the pot, we see a jack of clubs, jack of diamonds, five of clubs flop. So Hero has uh, trips with an ace. Um, ace, ace, jack, 10, eight is the hero's hand. Uh, flop is jack, jack, five. Um, with a flush draw we don't have. With a flush draw we don't have. Uh, although, no, we don't. Never mind. Um, I, I'm sorry to say we have the ace of clubs, but we don't. We have the Ten of Clubs, if that matters for anything. Um, Hero checks. Big blind pots it for $108. The original Razor folds, and it's back on the Hero. Jam. Also, like, this game seems pretty fishy. Like, I can't imagine it being real good. It's hard to think of a hand that should bet half the pot out of position against an original Razor on this spot. Um, no, no, this is the three-better. The, the, the three better is potting it. Oh, sorry. I meant, I meant pot size re-raise before the flop. It oh, seems. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I would jam. I think you have too much hand to fold. <clears throat> um, I mean, you can beat some jacks. We have two aces. Um, we're in rough shape against, like, we're in, like, pretty rough shape against jack five, but there shouldn't be that many hands with jack five. I mean, well, there are, you, you have five cards. I mean, we can definitely be losing here. Um, we're in remarkably bad shape against jack five or five full jacks, but pot's too big. We have the jack. Um, you know, we're definitely going to be chopping sometimes. Um, there are definitely going to be hands like, you know, king, queen, jack, ten, nine, or whatever. That I mean, that hand really should not be potting before the flop. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, so here's the thing, is like the jack, I mean, there are 15 cards out there. It's not that hard for one of the jacks to be out there. So the better should not have less than a jack pretty often. Like it's 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 not good to have less than a jack. And we have two aces, so it's like pretty unlikely that he's potting with just like a naked overpair. 
It's like, is he re-raising queens before the flop? Um, is he potting aces on the flop? Also, like, it went raise call. So even if, if it's even possible for the other, for, for the better to have two aces, that would be, that would entail that somebody who raised called before the flop did so without an ace, which is possible, but not all that likely. Um, so there's a question of like what this person's betting with. Is this person betting with a hand that's just like a jack with no ace in it? Okay, I'm starting to talk myself into a fold here. <laughs> or, or, or at least like into being worried and, and running off to, uh, you know, my nearest poker calculator. Because like, does this person have less than a jack? Like that's pretty hard. Not least because it's almost impossible to have an overpair. So, like, really, what is it? Is it like ace, deuce, three with a flush draw or something? Do we have? We don't have the ace of clubs. No, we that's kind of good. Yeah, that's good actually. Um, if there's a jack, is there a hand with a jack in it that also has neither an ace nor a five in it? Um, King queen by jack the way, two ace three. Jack. King Jack two three four. I mean, this is really not good. But <laughs> like that that potted before the flop, like like raised call, like oh King Jack two three four. Yes. So there, know, there's a little thing. bit of a read on the villain here that, that he provides. Uh, he says villain is a very loose, sticky player. Um, he does. Uh, he's not overly bluffy, but he does overvalue good but not great hands, and will get it in really light, whether as calls or value bets. Yeah. On the flop, I expect uh, to see that a lot. The problem is that if we're behind, we're behind by a lot. Like, it's going to be pretty hard to catch up, especially because, like, like the ace, what do we have? Ace, ace, jack, 10. Yeah, ace, ace, jack, 10, 8. Yep. Um, yeah, there's, like, a pretty good chance that, like, the aces and the jacks are even deader than they are just combinatorially. Like, um, so it's like a 10 or an 8. Like, there's a pretty good chance we're drawing to six outs if we're behind. Yeah. Which you don't want to do. That, that's um, interesting. I'm thinking about the implications of that third player having, you know, very likely folded an ace. Like, almost anyway folded an ace. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, pretty, like, pretty likely. Or in the better having an ace. Like, it's, right. it's actually yeah. like pretty bad. If, if we're in a situation where it's like ace, jack, two, three, four, or like ace, jack, low, 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 even though when it's not a five, so so like we're chopping currently with another ace jack, um, like a, a nine out free roll against a six out free roll, like you don't want to do that for two hundred dollars. Like that's that's a big edge. I mean, you can't fold; you'd have to get it in. But like it's it's really bad to, to, to only have six outs. Like you don't you don't want that. Um, so I mean, what does he have? Jack five crushes us. Five's full crushes us. Ace Jack is something we have to get it in against, but is bad. Um, and like aces, kings, queens, I don't know. So it's like a flush draw. In, like the, he can't have a low draw yet. The Jack Jack is not a low card, so it's like a running low draw plus a flush. And then he's like betting a hundred. I don't know. It's like a weird bet size to use and pretty unlikely. Um, I don't know. It's a math question, and uh, <laughs> I'm not a poker. That's what you get for asking somebody who's not a poker player. <laughs> I don't know what the math is. I've talked long enough. You guys start talking. Uh, Carlos, anything you want to say before I reveal the results? Uh, nope. <laughs> um, so here I did uh, check raise and get it in. He, he 3 x it and called a shove. Um, 
ended up being up against, which is this is a crazy hand to open it up, um, ended up being up against Queen Queen Jack Five Deuce. Wow. Um, Aren't you glad? I mean, jam pre flop. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm so. Yeah. Even I know that's bad. <laughs> Wait, I thought I, you know, I had the stack sizes wrong. I had the stack sizes completely wrong when I was saying all that. Now I just think it's an easy fold to the flop. Like, what, what's the SPR on the flop? Uh, like nine or close to it. Oh dear God, just fold. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought it was like yeah. I, I just complete. I, I was confusing three hundred dollars and three hundred big blinds. Yeah, just fold, just fold. Um, so I have nine. I guess I, I'm I'm going to independently run this right now. Uh, according to our correspondent, Joe, um, who, by the way, was a regular in my very first 2004 home game, um, and now he's a listener to the Thinking Poker Daily, which I love. Um, he said that he was actually, and this surprised him as well, he didn't think he was doing this well against Jack Five, um, against the villain's actual hand, just, just running, you know, obviously the, the ace card removal is going to be a big deal here, but just running his equity versus that that uh, hand, he found he had 45% equity. I'm verifying that as we speak. Um, that, that was surprising to me and to him, but I think taking the ace out is going to be a big, uh, a big hit. Yeah, that's wild. I didn't even know they had calculators that could run other games. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, there's two dimes on that, but it actually doesn't seem to be taken. I think it maybe is objecting to this because it's five cards. Um, I thought it was capable of doing this, but it's saying error. Uh, anyway, Joe said he ran it somewhere and he found that he had uh, 50, that he had 45% equity, which is actually still pretty bad when you're putting it in when you're putting in that much, uh, nine times the pie. And um, I think the, the point that Joe made is that it's basically impossible for two aces to still be on the deck, and quite possibly there are zero aces still on the deck. Uh, you know, the yeah. Between the three batter and the other player, um, they probably should both have an ace in their hand, but at least one of them. I mean, it would be maniacal for neither of them to have an <laughs> In, in, in uh, the split pot games, the ace is such an important card. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. You can't make any... It's very hard to make not low hands without an ace. And of course, ace is also the best high. It's just like, it's such a powerful card. There are you know, very few good hands that don't have an ace in them, especially in a fun card game. Yeah, I mean, I should say it's a little bit different from Hold'em, where if you can put somebody on a card, it matters a lot. Like, the three, five-card hands, that's like 15 cards. It's like, you know, over a quarter of the deck. So, yeah, being able to say, like, there's at least one ace in there it doesn't mean quite what it does in Hold'em, but, you know. I, I will say something that we've talked about a little bit on, on the Thinking Poker Daily show is, um, you know, what Hold'em players can learn from playing other games. And I do think one thing that, uh, I mean, this is a, a leak in, in Hold'em as well, but it's something that people are sort of used to being able to do is um, to be confident when they have a strong hand to sort of say, well, my opponent couldn't possibly have, like in Hold'em, you would feel more comfortable saying like, no one's going to have jack five here. And yeah. you know, in a five-card game, it's like the f the five might be a little bit of a dangler, or the jack might be a little bit of a dangler in a hand that's otherwise very good. So you know, like ace two three five jack, uh, you know, like that's a very plausible hand for someone. And I mean, the jack even is doing some other work there. But like, you you can have a, a four-card hand where the, the five is just sort of in there, like ace king queen jack five or something. Um, I feel like you're not really going to have the same level of, of confidence of like, oh, I just like definitely have the best hand here. So. Uh, and, and I think too often, like I think there's a lot of 
I think often wise players who play in pretty soft games where their opponents are very predictable and they're used to finding these spots where they can really say with a lot of confidence, like this person definitely has that or definitely does not have such and such. And I do think they overstate their confidence in, in those situations, but like, I don't think they're wrong that they do have a fair amount of confidence there. And I think that ends up being uh, um, a handicap for them when they play in tougher games, because it's really not, uh, it's not, against tougher competition, you're not going to have that level of certainty. And that's really not what poker is about. It's like getting into situations where you're like, okay, I definitely have the best hand. Now I can value that with, with you know, like you, you can value that without confidence. You can value that with confidence without being sure you have the best hand. You can still be sure that you are making a good bet. Um, now that may not have been what was happening here. That's a separate question. But I, I, like, I just had that thought when you were saying like, well, it's always possible for someone to have such and such. Like that's, that doesn't come up nearly as often. And um in, in no limit. And I think learning to, to think in terms of like ranges and equities, uh, I think there are certain ways in which these uh, these like four and five card games stretch you uh, in, in good ways. Yeah. And also like the way that bet sizing works in these other games, I think is really useful. Like in the five card game that's split pot and it's also no limit. Um, I mean, in some sense, it's more boring because a lot of the correct bets are either zero or all in. <laughs> as i've as i've claimed <laughs> um but also like you know the, the, the hard thing about no limit is that you can bet anything you want and bet sizing has come a very long way uh, since we started the show and even longer since we started playing but i think there's still a lot to learn um and just having these new situations where where the distributions are different and the hand, the hand strengths are different and the ranges of possibilities are different or the sets of possibilities are different um it really gets you thinking about bet sizing and also like if you're playing against people who are decent like using bad bet sizing or or bringing uh sort of oh i'll just bet half the pot a lot over from hold'em um it, you like you, you'll just get crushed you will get swiftly and severely punished for that uh, which is healthy <laughs> yeah um I have a bit of stuff to say at the end. Is there anything you all want to talk about before we before we close it down? Well, I was going to uh, ask because you brought this up. Uh, we talked about this earlier about the um, the early subscribers. Yeah, that, 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 that was that was the main thing I wanted to talk about at the end. Okay, okay, so I'll I'll save that for you. Nate, anything more from you? I mean. I could talk forever. Um, I mean, the obvious thing is like, I mean, Carlos, uh, you know, it's it's like a total honor to have been, um, you know, some part of your poker career. Uh, that's that's great. Um, so you know, it's I, it's really great being your friend, and um, you know. God bless you, and I'm really glad you're doing well in poker, and there's that. And, um, I mean, Andrew, you're like the best colleague I could have had for this. I mean, the phrase I used on episode 100 or maybe 200 or both is um, thoroughly decent. You're just a totally thoroughly decent dude, great to work with. Um, you know, I, I hope this show has added some value uh, for you. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, it's been it's been a real real honor. Um, 
hope to be still a part of it sometimes if you all see fit, but that is your choice and not mine. No, that was, that, that was why I, I stopped myself. I, I, at the beginning of the show, I said, Carlos is in and Nate is, and I was like, well, I don't want to say Nate is out. Nate is sidelined. Yeah. But, um, tag him in occasionally. Once the ACL heals, he'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, but, you know, a very sincere thank you. You know, the, uh, the, the, the thought that any number of times the um, in the 2011 main we would have been one card away from being out and not having dinner together every night and like getting to be friends um yeah talk about butterflies it's like a pretty like yeah it's it's like quite amazing um the show has been one of the really cool parts of my life um i mean it's like obviously led a lot to a lot of good things for me including in software and like my job but like Far beyond that, it's it's a project that's just been immensely significant for me in like personally, and um, you've been a great partner in it. And just not much more to say other than like uh, uh, than just my sincerest thank you. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Thoroughly decent means a lot coming from you. Uh, I think that's a very Nate uh, a very Nate compliment, and and I I take it uh, it means a lot to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I used to say, you know, when I was <clears throat> the early years of my my career. Um, well, I mean, I guess 2011 was a turning point for a lot of reasons. Um, but you know, back when I was like playing mostly on online, and I was doing all the stuff with the Boston Debate League, I was kind of like, well, you know, it's nice. One of the the uh, advantages of doing the Boston Debate League stuff is like it kind of surrounds me with people who who uplift me or like inspire me, who are like good. like I kind of had this this distinction in my mind of like poker people are sort of like broadly speaking like bad people or bad influences or um you know, bad people is putting it too strongly, but I was sort of like, well, you know, the, the really like good uplifting influences in my life are coming from not just the students, but like the teachers and volunteers and all these folks in the urban debate league. And, um, you know, poker is sort of like uh, you know, so sharks out there and degenerates and um, you know, people trying to scam you and, and that sort of thing. And um, I mean, Nate really was the first like friend that I made through poker proper and then this this show uh, and you know, one of the purposes of the show was to sort of have that impetus to highlight some of the um, I mean more interesting but also just like to you know, create connections or, or bring attention to people who you know we want to sort of highlight uh, who they are as, as, as people or give them a little bit of a platform or, or something like that and um, you know, certainly Carlos is like <laughs> front and center of that, you know, to, to end up getting to, to make a new friend. And, and yeah, I guess even Nate, I mean, we were, we were, we became much better friends as a result of doing this show together. Like I considered you a friend, but really it was like, we spoke once a year at the WSOP prior to, <laughs> to doing this together. So, um, you know, I think that the podcast was responsible for, um, for, for our friendship. And I, I feel like Carlos and I probably would have met anyway, since I was like doing the videos for TPA and, and things, but uh, I doubt we would have gotten to know each other as well as we have so uh yeah i'm, I'm grateful to um to, to both of you and to the show and, you know, there's so many other people who've been guests on the show dara carney tommy angelo come to mind immediately of the people that i've become fairly good friends with as a result of uh the, the show so yeah nate I'm, I'm grateful to you for uh you know it, i i never would have kept it going <laughs> so long with, without you and then of course uh you know carlos all the contributions you've already made to the show um and hopefully all the contributions you will make going forwards yeah, three three hundred and sixty six episodes. That's crazy. 
<laughs> yeah. Let's think about that. Like, how often does that even happen in the podcast world? Uh, I mean, we were saying when we got to episode like three, we had already surpassed ninety nine percent of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's keep it going for sure. Um, and you know, of course, finally, we do want to thank everyone who has. Uh, I mean, I, I, when I say supported the show, I don't only mean financially. Like, really, the most important thing to us is just, or I mean, to me, but I think I speak for everyone, is just knowing that that folks are out there listening. You know, like that's the uh, none of us are doing this to get rich. Um, so you know, just knowing that that you all uh, are are finding value and interest in what we do is is great. We know it's not a small thing to give us uh, an hour of your time every week or every other week or however often it is that we end up putting this out. Um, but yeah, so we we really appreciate that, and uh, you know, we've gotten on a lot of cool people, or I have, um, just who are listeners to the show as well. Even if uh, it's not not only guests, but I feel like there's been a nice little community that has sprung up around the show. And um, I've enjoyed getting to meet a lot of you and interacting with you all on, on Twitter. And um, if you are interested in, in supporting the show in uh, more financial ways, um, we do have a sale going right now at our store, www.nitcast.com, N-I-T-C-A-S-T.com. Everything in the store, except for the gift cards, is 15% off through the end of November. And uh, we mentioned a few times Thinking Poker Daily, um, so you can sign up for that at patreon.com slash thinkingpokerdaily, and you will get daily strategy segments, usually from Carlos and me. Uh, maybe we'll get Nate on there occasionally. Uh, we had Tommy Angelo on there recently as a guest, so every once in a while, maybe someone else, but mostly from Carlos and me, you can get daily strategy segments and support the podcast at patreon.com slash thinkingpokerdaily. Since it is the one-year anniversary of the uh, of the show, we did want to give a special shout-out to everyone who has been supporting us on the Patreon uh, since the very beginning. Um, and, you know, that, of course, we weren't sure that we were going to keep it going. That was a little bit of an experiment. And so, you know, you all have really been integral to keeping the Thinking Poker Daily thing going or, you know, demonstrating to us that there's sufficient interest to do it. So, you know, we do certainly appreciate everyone supporting us on there and especially those who have supported us from the very beginning. Um, yeah, I, I I think of it like dark matter. Um, I swear, yeah, it's always been clear to me. Um, we have just the best audience in poker, um, just the thoughtful, wonderful people who listen and, you know, sort of the rate at which I hear about new people who listen to the show. It it made it clear that there's this large set of people, uh, whom we never hear from, like you, you never hear from most of your listeners, most of your software users, et cetera. Um, and like just knowing that we were talking to such thoughtful um, people and people like so, so worth sharing our thoughts with was, was a huge part of the show. And the audience, even the audience who never interacted with us on Twitter or wrote in or whatever, um, just like their being there uh, was a big part of it. So. Uh, my real sincerest thanks to, to to all our listeners. We had just the best best audience in poker. Um, yeah, yeah I, I second that, and I'm, I'm going to read out this list of, of all the people who've been supporting us since week one of the, the daily. And um, you know, a fair number of these names, like well, Carla shared this list with me. Well, actually, he, the first he shared a list of all the people who were literally day one subscribers, and. Um, 
at first I was like, oh, I recognize most of these people. And then I was like, of course I recognize most of these people. The surprising thing is that like a quarter of these are not names that I recognize. Like, like 25% of these folks have been just sort of quietly uh, supporting us. And, you know, as far maybe they have a different alias that they've used on Twitter or something. But like, as far as I know, like I, I haven't interacted with them on Twitter. I haven't done coaching for them. I don't even know that they've submitted hands for, for Thinking Poker daily. And um, there's something kind of, I mean, of course you're welcome. We would love to hear from you, but uh, there is something kind of flattering about that of just finding out there is this like quiet 25% that's just like taking it in. And um, that's awesome too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so thank you to Steve M, Lex, Chris N, Greg H, Fred S, Ben O, uh, Krishna HD, uh, Chris M HD, uh, Stephen B, Alex P, Daryl G, oh, Carlos, you're scrolling too fast. <laughs> I have a video here from Carlos. Um, Stephen B, Alex P, Daryl G, Sparrow BV, Circus Circus, Alex B. I'll scroll fast so you can pause. Yeah, I figured that out now. <laughs> Andrew D, Fred O, Pity Party, Matt W, Kevin P, Steve M, Lex. Wait, some of these running out already. Maybe I scrolled uh, <laughs> back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're gonna read. I'm gonna end up reading some people's names more than once, and if I miss you, I apologize. <laughs> Carl G, Paul H, Ken T, Bill P, David F, Andy W, Jacob W, Briar C, Andrew D, Fred O, Kevin P, Michael R, Giorgio M, Steve C. Chris H, Jeff, Jeff T, Carl G, Paul H, Bill P, David F, Jacob W, Tim R, Matt G, Raphael G-T, James F, Scott B, Michael R, Chris H, Paul H, Dr. Zoidberg, Tim R, What are you doing here, Carlos? This video is all over the place. <laughs> Mark O, Andrew H, Joey K, Jeff M, Jim L, David G, Stephen L, Dr. Zoidberg again. <laughs> Maybe there's two Dr. Zoidbergs. Jason G, Dan S, David G. Hopefully that was a comprehensive list. If we missed you, I apologize. <laughs> if we got you twice, we double appreciate you. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening and supporting the Think hey, Podcast. I, wait, wait a minute. Yeah. Last thing before we um, end, let me give a special shout out to Chris H, who was um, one of the first subscribers, like you mentioned, but he was also uh, a uh, super premium knit, which is the highest level subscriber at $50 a month. And he's been at that level since the beginning, and he still is. So um, special thank you to um, Chris H and also Joe B, who um, started out as a uh, one of the, the uh, smaller tiers, but is also a $50 subscriber now. Both of those guys have been here from day one. They're both super nits. So I wanted to give them a, a big shout out and also tell them, uh, I was going to say, I'll see you next week in the meeting, but this episode probably comes out then or slightly after then. But um, I just wanted to um, highlight those guys. Yeah. Second that thing. Thank you for, uh, for doing that. 
And uh, thank you both for, for eight great years and hopefully a few more to come. Yes, for sure. Thank you. Of a car, the light of the fair passage of a bill.